Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we continue to give you permission to do whatever it is you desire to do within us. Make our minds, our hearts, and our souls fertile soil for your gospel, Lord, that your word may bear great fruit. Illuminate these scriptures for us. Reveal to us the face of the Father. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I don't know about you, but a lot of folks have been asking me and talking to me, and you know, it's just reality of conversation in the world that we live in at the moment of, you know, what is the fall going to look like? Whether it be families who have children going back to school, whether it be teachers or here on this campus, students and faculty and staff, like, what is, what is the fall going to look like? Again, it's mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, that on some level, I think we all had an expectation that this could last for a long time, but maybe there was a hope within us that at some point it would, it would pass and kind of go, and so we're in this moment of like adjusting to the reality that, hey, it's, it's here, you know, this pandemic is here, and it's sticking around, and there's the reality of where we are, and so dealing with those different emotions and trying to look realistically and going forward. So the question is, like, what is the semester going to look like here at Christ the King or on this campus? Like, okay, well, we kind of know some things. We, we know certain levels of restrictions and the reality of what we're trying to do. We've got plan A and plan B. If this happens or that happens, plan C or there. And so there's some knowns and lots of unknowns. And what can happen, right? What can happen when we experience this or the reality of this, this suffering of this pandemic or we have political unrest and just maybe individual suffering in your own life. When we experience suffering, then the enemy wants to come in and lie to us. Like that's, that's his constant desire. The Lord speaks the truth of who he is and the enemy comes in and lies. And one of the, the primary lies in the midst of suffering is that the enemy is like, look, you are alone. The Lord has left you alone. That, you know, God is, is either not paying attention or he doesn't have the power or he doesn't love you or he's abandoned you or you've done something to deserve whatever this is, but, but you're alone and the Lord has left you orphaned. And we can, we can feel the weight of those emotions and we can feel the weight of that temptation. You know, whether it be individual suffering in our life whether it be the communal suffering that we're going through right now. And so in the midst of those lies, it is very important for us to understand them as a temptation, as a lie, and what the truth is. And so today we have, the church gives us the second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And I'm going to read this again, and I, and I want, I want us to sink, this to sink in as much as it can tonight. And I want to invite you to take this second reading from the 8th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans and pray with it through this week. Brothers and sisters, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? 
or the pandemic, whatever suffering in my life, the, the, the reality of uh, getting the political unrest in our culture, our country. What will separate us from the love of Christ? And St. Paul says here, no. In all these things we conquer overwhelmingly through him who loved us. That these things, that this suffering and these realities in our life and even the lives of the enemy cannot separate us from the love of God. We just need to, to look at the lives of the saints in the history of the church. I mean, the truth is, like, from the very beginning of the church, as the Lord's pouring forth the grace of Pentecost and the, the, those being baptized and moving with the power of the Holy Spirit, that the church at the very beginning was persecuted. That they literally had to go and roam in the catacombs. What's a catacombs? is an underground cemetery. They had to go in the underground cemetery with candles to celebrate Mass at night for fear of being killed for being a Christian, for being Catholic. Right? And did this separate them from the love of God? No. We, again, looking at the lives of the saints, I think of St. Maximilian Kolbe. St. Maximilian Kolbe was put in during World War II in the concentration camps twice. He went in, was there for a while, and then was let go, and then was arrested again. And then many of us know the rest of the story that he took the place of a married man to go in the starvation chamber and was in the starvation chamber for 14 days. 14 days of nothing to eat and nothing to drink. And in these moments... Right? Was he separated? Was this, this, this great suffering, was he separated from the love of God? No. No. And how do we know? We look at the life of Jesus himself. Right after Jesus' baptism, glorious moment, the affirmation of who he is as the beloved son of the Father, beginning his public ministry, what is it says? He is led into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. And the temptation of Satan, the temptation, there's three of them, but at the heart of all of the temptations is this. The Father has led you into the desert to die. He has abandoned you because he's not a loving father and you're not a beloved son. And Jesus, we know in those moments, experienced great temptation, great suffering, but he, but he trusted in the Father. And it says that Satan left him for a while. And when did Satan come back? In the Garden of Gethsemane. He came back in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, and he stayed pressing in and pressing in all the way through. Jesus is on the cross. And again, we hear, we hear Jesus feeling the weight of it. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I know in these, in these months, I've spoken to, to lots of people, right, who, who have felt this reality. Like, where is the Lord? Where is the Lord in the midst of all of this? And Jesus, was he abandoned by the Father? No. No. But in his human mind, in his human heart, he felt it. Like, it was a real, tangible feeling, a real, tangible emotion, because it was the lie of the enemy and a temptation. Now, temptation is not a sin. It's what, what, what we do with it. 
And so Jesus in that moment, feeling the weight of that, right? And the enemy's coming in and lying to him. But then what does he do? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. This willful act of faith, this willful act of trust. And so in that moment, right, was he separated from the love of the Father? No. But he conquered overwhelmingly for us. And so when we too are suffering and the lie of the enemy becomes pressing and pressing and pressing in upon us, then we, we read these words of St. Paul, what will separate us? Suffering cannot. The enemy cannot. Whether it be individual suffering, whether it be communal suffering, whatever, it cannot separate us. There's only one thing that can separate us from the love of God, and that is ourselves. Through sin, particularly mortal sin. Right? That's the only thing that when we freely choose to commit a grave sin, then, then we cut ourselves off from the life of grace. Like It is us who are the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, and we're like, yep, I'm leaving home. But where's the Lord there? The Lord is, is the Father, right, longing for us, longing and desiring for us to come home. It is not He who cast us out. It is we who leave. And then, where is he again? It is Jesus who speaks about the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to pursue the one. And we've, we've become desensitized to the shocking reality of that parable. Like, what shepherd would, leave ni- would not leave 99 to go find the one lost one? Just a stupid shepherd. Because when he gets back, he's going to have one sheep. The one that he went get. All the other ones are going to be gone. So speaking about the, the passion of God's heart for us as he pursues us. Because again, the only thing that can separate us from the love of the Lord is ourselves. And in that moment, he is the one who's pursuing us and coming after us with the fullness of his mercy. And so then he desires us just to return through the grace of the sacraments, particularly confession. Let us never be afraid of that. Never be afraid of it. So if you have felt in the midst of these months or feeling it now or, or as you're looking forward in the future and that feeling can come like, gosh, I feel like the Lord has left me. Like, what is this going to look like? I feel like the Lord has left me. No. What can separate us from the love of God? I think of, but, but, but what's important is, is that we should not shame ourselves for feeling these emotions. I'm going to go back to St. Maximilian Kolbe. He's in the starvation chamber for 14 days. Now, witnesses tell us, right, some of the guards tell us that he was singing hymns to Mary. Now, you might think to yourself, like, okay, why, like, man, this guy is starving for 14 days, which in and of itself is miraculous to not have water for 14 days, and you're still alive, and they they have to literally give him a lethal injection to kill him. And he's singing hymns to the Blessed Mother? Like, come on. That dude is a boss, right? But, but the truth is, is that if we have this notion that as this is happening, like he's not experiencing suffering and he's got these, these warm, fuzzy feelings for the entirety of the 14 days, I, you know, I don't know what was going on in his mind and heart. He didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it happened. I'm pretty sure the most of that time, there was great temptation to be like, is this all a joke? Is my whole life a joke? 
Is everything that I have given my life over to and for the Father, like, like, does this really mean anything? Because look where it has me. Look where it has me. But in the, that was just a temptation. But he felt it. It was just a t- the temptation. But what did he do? He chose. No, the singing was part of a willful act of faith. Like, I am not going to believe the lie of the enemy. And it is by grace, right? It is by grace of the Lord empowering him with that. No, I will sing to Our Lady as an act of faith, entrusting myself to her at the foot of the cross. Because what will separate me? I imagine he was praying these very words of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. What will separate me from the love of God? Will these Nazi soldiers separate me from the love of God? No. Will being in this concentration camp separate me from the love of God? No. Will starving with no food or water separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? No. Because in all things, conquer overwhelmingly in Christ who loved us. So wherever we are, Let's not be ashamed for feeling any of those temptations or any of those emotions, but pray for the grace and to will, to believe the truth, right? An act of the will, come Lord and surrender ourselves to him. And if we found ourselves who have fallen away, especially in serious sin, to just run back to the Lord in the sacrament of reconciliation. So this week, Romans 8, pray with this passage. Take a um, dry erase marker and put it on your bathroom mirror. And look at it in the morning. Look at it in the evening. Pray with it. Brothers and sisters, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No. In all these things we conquer overwhelmingly through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.